Parshas Karach, first half of the Parsha discusses the rebellion of the eponymous antagonist of the Parsha, Karach. There are a number of themes we've discussed over the years in the rebellion of Karach. There is Machlokas, the Perkeavas, we talk about Machlokas L'Shem Shemayim, Machlokas Shalol L'Shem Shemayim. There is the there's Nevuas Moshe Rabbeinu, the special the special unique uh, reverence we have for the Nevuah of Moshe, that he's a faithful mouthpiece of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Karach was rich. We've discussed how wealth can poison people and uh, send them down a dangerous path. The Yushalmi, the Yushalmi in Sanhedrin emphasizes that Karach was an apikaris. Karach was a heretic. The basic thrust of the Yushalmi is a uh, famous passage it, it says, Karach decided he was going to refute Torah's Moshe. He was going to prove that the Torah Moshe was teaching was absurd, was ridiculous, and therefore certainly not divine, that Moshe was just making it up. So what did he do? He set up three paradoxical gotcha questions for Moshe Rabbeinu. First one, he told Moshe, I have a talus that's all trellis. Do I have to put on trellis for the titsis? Do I have to put on titsis? Moshe said, yes. So Korach said, does that make any sense? So that if, if, if I can fulfill the mitzvah of, of Tcheles with, with a couple of strings on the four corners of the garment, the whole talus of Tcheles, it still needs scissors? That's ridiculous. Second, second question he asked him. A house full of svarim. house has lots of svarim in it. Do I still have to put on a mezuzah? Moshe said, yes. Again, ridiculous. The one little mezuzah, one scroll per doorway, fulfills the mitzvah. Now I have a whole house full of svarim. still needs a mezuzah. Third question, Baharis Kigris, I have a tiny little negatzaras, the size of a beam, a, re- a very small thing. So Amar Lo, Of course, the halacha is Tame. So Karach asked, what happens if the taras spreads and covers the whole body of the, co- the, whole body of the victim? Then the halacha is Tar. It's a special Xeris that if the taras spreads to the whole body, the person is Tar. So once again, Karach pointed out the paradox, so that was absurd. So Karach says, you see, ain't Tara min Torah, Moshe is just making it up. This is clearly not divine. Velo Moshe Navi, Moshe is not a genuine prophet. Velo Aaron Kohen Gadol, Aaron is not a true high priest. And this was, uh, this, this was, this was, this was what Karach said, that Moshe was not an authentic Navi. And this was one of the key themes of the Parsha. Karach was telling people, Kichol Kulam Kedoshim, Karach was a populist, Karach was an anti-elitist. But the, at the core of Karach's message was that Moshe is a fraud. The things Moshe says are ridiculous. They are not actually what Hashem said. Moshe is making up stuff on his own, and that's why we can, we can reject what he said. It's striking, therefore, it's, it's deeply ironic that it is Dafka in this Parsha, then, of Parsha's Karach, that we find a couple of provocative cases of Rishonim actually suggesting that Moshe may not have always understood what Hashem told him, that Moshe sometimes did act on his own. We're going to discuss first uh, the, the, these two cases in this parsha, with Rishonim say things that other Rishonim or other Achronim found very provocative, where they, obviously the, the, the Rishonim who said these things weren't going as far as Karach, but they allowed for the possibilities that Moshe could be mistaken sometimes about what Hashem told him and that and they allow for the possibility Moshe could have sometimes acted on his own. And then we'll proceed to discuss a number of other examples about Moshe, about uh, other Nevi'im, discuss the possibility that a Navi can sometimes misunderstand the Nevu'ah that he receives.
So later in this later later in Parshas Karach, Hashem is angry at Karach. So he tells Moshe, he He tells Moshe, separate yourselves from this uh, evil assembly, from, from, from this assembly, from this Ada, and I will destroy them in an instant. So Moshe, Moshe objects. Moshe is always concerned for the well-being of Kal Yisrael. Moshe and Aaron say, God, Karach is one is one Russia. Why should you be angry at the whole at the whole nation? So Hashem told Moshe, he basically reiterates what he said the first time. He said, Remove yourselves from the vicinity of the, the tents, the dwellings of Karach, Dasan, and Avira. So, so what exactly is this dialogue? Hashem initially says, Moshe protests and says, only one man sinned, why should you punish the whole people? And Hashem reiterates, leave the Mishkan, Karach, Dasan, Vavir. So some Rishonim learn that Hashem indeed initially planned to destroy all of Klai Yisrael. Hashem felt either they were all guilty of supporting Karach, or they should have protested, but somehow the entire Klai Yisrael bore culpability for the rebellion of Karach. Moshe said at the end of the day, it's really only Karach who's the Russia, so have Rachmanus on the rest of Klai Yisrael. Hashem said, okay, I'm only going to destroy Mishkan, Korach, Dasan, Vaviram, separate yourselves from them, the rest of Klai Yisrael will be spared. That's how some learn. Rabbeinu Hananel has a different understanding. The Ramban brings a pshat of Rabbeinu Hananel. I don't think we have this commentary, but this is something the Ramban saw that written by Rabbeinu Hananel. Rabbeinu Hananel said, Hashem all along had only planned to destroy Korach, Dasan, Vaviram. When Hashem said, from this community, from this assembly, he meant the assembly of Karach, Das, and Vavira. Moshe and Aaron did not understand. Moshe and Aaron, uh, they, saw, they, they saw the worst case scenario. They, they, they took the most, uh, the, the grimmest interpretation of Akash Baruch Hu's words. They thought Akash Baruch Hu planned to wipe out the entire Klai Yisrael. They said, but how can you do that? Only one man sinned. Hashem said, you're, you're right. You misunderstood. I never meant I would destroy the whole Klai Yisrael. I meant that I would destroy only Karach, Das, and Vavira. And then Moshe had no further objection. So according to Rabbeinu Hananel, Moshe and Aaron, but even Moshe, misunderstood what Hashem said. When Hashem said Ada, Ada was perhaps ambiguous. They thought Ada meant the whole Klai Yisrael. Really, Hashem meant by Ada, he meant only the Ada of the Rishayim of Karach, Das, and Vavira. The Ramban has various objections to this approach of Rabbeinu Hananel, and most fundamentally, the, the Ramban says, Chalila shloyavin Moshe nevuaso v'yitaba. Chas v'shalom to say that Moshe could fail to understand a nevuah, could make an error about his nevuah. Chas v'shalom to say such a thing. Aral Torah rests on the idea that Moshe under, understood what Hashem told him and faithfully transmitted it to us. All the mitzvahs Moshe gave us. Maybe he misunderstood. Maybe Hashem meant you should eat matzah on Tubishvat, not, uh, not, on, not on Nisan. How do we know? If, if you don't trust Moshe, we're in big trouble. So the Ramban says, Chalila shloyavin Moshe nevuasov yiteba. Chas v'shalom, the Moshe could have made an error about his nevuah. But Rabbi Yochanan said, no, it could happen. Moshe could have misunderstood a, a, a nevuah that Hashem told him. And we should note that the Moshe didn't have a long-term misunderstanding. Hashem immediately corrected him. So, so even Rabbeinu Hananel might have trouble with the idea if somebody were to suggest that Moshe had a permanent or long-term misunderstanding, but at least in terms of a short-term misunderstanding in the course of his conversation with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, 
Ben Hanano felt it was possible to say, it's legitimate to say that Moshe misunderstood. Ramban disagrees. Ramban has other objections to Ben Hanano, technical objections based on the language of the Psukim, but, but fundamentally, theologically, he says, Chalila Shloyavan Moshe Nevoaso But the truth is, Ben Hanano is not alone. There are other Mepharshim as well who take the same, the, the same perspective toward the Psukim that Moshe did misunderstand what Hashem told him. Rabbeinu Bachia. Rabbeinu Bachia is a commentary who often follows Ramban. He often follows and elaborates on the positions of Ramban. In this particular case, however, he actually seems to endorse the position of Rabbeinu Hanano, that Ramban rejected. Rabbeinu Bachia says, when Hashem said he meant he was referring to Adas Karach, specifically to Karach, not to the whole Kalah Yisrael. Moshe Chashav, Moshe thought, Moshe misunderstood, he thought HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant the whole nation, and that's why he objected, only one man sinned, why should you punish the whole people? HaKadosh Baruch Hu immediately clarified and corrected him, when I said Eida, I meant Adas Karach, I did not mean the whole Eida, and that's, what he, that's why he, when in the second Pasuk he says, I meant specifically Mishkan Karach, not the whole nation. So, Rabbein Abachi also agrees to the Rach. Parenthetically, Rabbein Abachi goes on and he says, why did Hashem need Moshe to separate himself from the spatial proximity of Karach? Why can Hashem just strike down whoever he wants? Hashem can save So, so why would uh, why would he have to separate himself? So the Rebbe has various pshatim. One of them resonates with us strongly, I think, in these times. He says, there was uh, some kind of misfortune and disaster in the air. Misfortune is contagious. These we shown him, we discussed this on previous, on previous Yurim, Ramban, Rabbein Abachia, believed that plague was contagious, that disease is contagious. They also had a more general notion of contagion, that misfortune in general could be contagious. The destruction of Sodom, they say the reason the Lot's wife turned into salt was because by gazing and by contemplating the destruction of Sodom, she somehow caught the, the catastrophe. Our model of disease, of disease contagion, is, is rather more narrow. It only applies to, the, to actual pathogens like, like bacteria and microbes, bacteria and viruses, and so on. But they believe there was a general notion of contagion that could apply even to the destruction Hashem was bringing on Karach. So again, the response, as we discussed last week, the, you're not supposed to be some the responsible thing to do is to take prudent measures to uh, avoid danger. He has several other explanations, theological explanations. When Midas Hadin is operational, it doesn't always distinguish between Tzadik and Russia, and uh, other explanations yet. But, but the point is, Rebbein, getting back to our theme, Rebbein Bachia agrees with Rebbein Hananel that Hashem was, not, uh, Hashem was not agreeing to narrow the scope of his Peronius in response to Moshe Rebbeinu's tefillah. Rather, Hashem had always intended, when he said Eida, he had always intended just Karach, but Moshe misunderstood, and Hashem corrected him. Svarno. Rav Avadia Svarno understands the same way, that when Hashem said initially, that, I'm sorry, when Hashem said later that, that, that remove yourselves from the Mishkan of Karach, Dasan Vaviram, Hashem was explaining, Piresh, that the earlier Pasuk, when he, when he initially said, he meant only Adas Karach. He's not quite as explicit as, as the Rebbein Hananel and Rebbein Abachia, but it's pretty clear, that's what he means as well, that Hashem was not uh, agreeing to narrow the scope of his punishment. He was simply clarifying that when, when he had initially said, he meant 
he meant the Ada of Karach Dasim Vaviram, and Moshe had apparently misunderstood. They point out, the website Alatara points out, that Sfarno makes the same, takes the same position, presents the same type of idea last week in Parsha Shlach. In Parsha Shlach, so Hashem is angry at the Jewish people for the sins of the Miraglim. Hashem says, Akenu Badever Varishenu, I will smite the, the Jewish people with plague and uh, I'll destroy them. And you, Moshe, I'll make you into a guy, God, all the Atsumimenu. I'll make you into a mightier and stronger nation. Klai Yisrael is, is hopeless, is, I, I've lost interest in them. I'll destroy them and make you into a great nation. Moshe, of course, as he always does, pleads for the pleads for the for mercy for the Jewish people. Hashem, Erech Apayim, Barav Chesed, a selection of the Yugimel Midos, Nosei Avon, Vafesha, Venake, Loinake, etc., etc. Slachna, famous Psukim, Slachna, Lavon, Mazek, Yodel Chastecha. We say this many, many times in Slichas. Slachna, Lavon, Mazek, Yodel Chastecha. Please forgive the Jewish people with, with your great uh, kindness, your great loving kindness. As you have borne them from Egypt until, until now. I will, uh, I, I will forgive them as, as, as you ask. However, Hashem says, I swear, Chayani, I, do, I, I, I will forgive them, but, they, they, but there will still be a uh, tremendous doom upon them. I will not annihilate them instantly. However, everyone who has seen my glory and seen the great miracles that I've done in Mitzrayim, and yet they still had the gall to test me with the ten Nisyonos of the Midbar, up to, up to, the, up to the, 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 the most egregious, the Miraglam, the last one, the Miraglim, they're all going to die. They're not going to enter Eretz Canaan. That they're going to die out over forty years. This was the famous doom that the Jews were were condemned to wander forty years in the desert while they all died. And the new generation, the younger generation, would enter Eretz Canaan along with Kalev and Yoshua, who had been righteous and had not sinned along with the Miraglim. So again, Kipshuto, you read this narrative, you assume that initially Hashem had considered all of Klal Yisrael guilty. Here, the Pesukim explicitly say that Klai Yisrael was guilty of following the Miraglim. The Da'am was Bochel and Mishpachosav. They had the famous Bechia Shalchinam, the infamous crying unjustly. They didn't trust Hashem. They didn't have faith that he could bring them into the Promised Land. So clearly, Klai Yisrael was guilty. So, Kipshuto, we would read these Pesukim. Hashem initially, initially intended to destroy the entire Klai Yisrael and make Moshe into a new nation because of Moshe's great tefillah. Hashem acceded to his tefillah and agreed that he would, they would all die, but slowly, over 40 years, and the nation would not be annihilated. Sfarno, however, explains differently. Sfarno says that Hashem never actually intended to wipe out all of Klai Yisrael. It was only Moshe's, again, Moshe put the worst, uh, Moshe feared the worst. Moshe thought that when Hashem said, Akenabadever, he meant immediate annihilation of all of Klai Yisrael, the genocide of the entire Jewish people, and Moshe said, but that, uh, if you do that, people will, it'll be a chil Hashem. People will say it's a, you're, that you're a coward, that, you're, that you're, you're, you're incapable of bringing them into Eretz Canaan. It'll be a chil Hashem. And, and, and Hashem said, you're right, you misunderstood that the, all along I meant to forgive them and I meant to uh, temper my judgment with mercy, as you said. When I said, I, dever, I, I, meant, I never meant I would annihilate them entirely, immediately. I meant that I would kill them gradually, as I'm explaining now, over 40 years, and none of them, eventually, they'll all die, and, and none, of them will, none of them will actually enter Eretz Canaan, but I never meant to say that I'll destroy them all in an instant. So once again, Sfarno says, Moshe misunderstood. 
Moshe was uh, putting the worst possible construction on Hashem's words, Hashem clarified, I never meant that I to do something quite so, uh, quite so terrible. I meant something severe, but not quite as terrible as that. That's the same idea that Sfarno says in this week's parasha that goes back to Rebbe Hananel, that this is it. there are at least two occasions, according to him, according to Sfarno, where Moshe misunderstood what Hashem said. Moshe, Hashem meant uh, to limit his punishment to a certain, to either a certain group of evildoers in Parshas Karach, or to a more gradual, more gradual putting to death of the Jewish people, but preserving continuity of the nation. Moshe, in both cases, according to Sfarno, thought that Hashem meant something much grimmer, that he would annihilate the whole people immediately. And Hashem clarified in both cases, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant was the, the somewhat less terrible punishment that he explained in, the, in response to Moshe's objection. So this is one issue in Pasha's Karach where some of Farshim understand Moshe misunderstood something, Ramban has a problem with this, Ramban says Khalila, but other Mepharshim say that no, Moshe could occasionally misunderstand what Akash Baruch Hu said. There's another thing in this parsha which apparently is quite controversial. Ramban, the, in the beginning of the parsha, when Korach makes his challenge to Moshe, so it says, Vayishma Moshe Vayiplal Panov. Moshe heard the challenge and he threw himself on his face. Then he told Korach and he said, We will have a showdown. Boker Vyoda Hashem Tomorrow in the morning, Hashem will demonstrate who he chooses, who, who he wants to serve him. That's Akadosh. Love, and, and uh, this is what we're going to do. For the, the trial is going to be, we're, you're all going to take Machta's pet, pens of fire and Keturus, and Aaron will take uh, Keturus, and Hashem will show, by, by whose Keturus he accepts, Hashem will show who he wants to serve him. So the striking thing about this narrative is that we don't see anywhere, we don't see anywhere that Hashem told Moshe to do this. We don't, see, we don't see Moshe in any kind of nevuah that Hashem said, this is what you should do. When it comes to opening up the earth, we find Hashem said, we, we just discussed, separate yourselves from the, from the, from the people, and so on. But the, when it comes to the Ketaris, it seems to have been a plan entirely initiated by Moshe. So, the Ramban, the Ramban picks up on this. The Ramban says that, uh, that, 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 that this plan to do Ketaris, he says, Initially, he suggests it was Moshe's plan on his own. He told Karach, if you really think that I'm making stuff up and you can do whatever you want, so let's see, try it. Go bring some Kataris and let's see what happens. What about Aaron? How could, if, Hashem didn't have any, if Moshe didn't have any authorization from Hashem, how could Aaron participate and just bring a, a, a wildcat, unauthorized Kataris in the Mishkan? So the Ramban says, maybe, maybe, it, was, maybe it was a harasha that, that, that Moshe gave a special dispensation for Aaron to do this, to, for, to participate in this demonstration, or maybe Aaron would just bring the regular Ketaris, the morning Ketaris he brought every day, and Karach would bring the unauthorized Ketaris. This was kind of a trick by Moshe Rabbeinu to, uh, to, uh, you know, to that Karach would, would, would do a terrible thing and bring unauthorized Ketaris and would, and would bring about his own destruction. That's Ramban's first approach, that Moshe had no particular authorization for this showdown of the Ketaris. It was all Moshe's uh, scheme, Moshe's independent scheme. Then he brings another pshat, that Yesh Omrim, that when it said, that when, the, when the Pasuk begins, Vayishma Moshe Vayipal Alpanov, that Moshe, when he heard Karach's challenge and he fell on his face, he fell on his face was a form of tefillah, to ask Hashem, what should we do? And he actually had a nevuah. The nevuah was, Boker Vyod Hashem. What, what Moshe told Karach was actually what he saw, a nevuah, 
And the Ramban explains that that's that in other places he says as well. In general, when a navi communicates with Hashem and then relays that nevuah to the people, there are always two phases. First, first the Hashem communicates to the navi, then the navi repeats it to the people. Sometimes the Torah mentions both steps. Sometimes the Torah tells you one or the other. Sometimes it doesn't tell you Hashem told the navi. It just says the navi spoke to the people. Sometimes it says Hashem told the navi. It doesn't say the navi spoke. It doesn't say the navi spoke to the people. So you fill in the blanks. Here it says what Moshe told the people. It doesn't mention, even though it's true that Hashem first told this to Moshe. Then he brings a, then he brings a third shot that the that it was Moshe. It was Moshe, or maybe going back to the first shot that he says it was really Moshe on his own. Moshe did, did not have prior authorization from Hashem to do this trial of the terrorists, But it's one of the things that we that like the Gemara and Shabbos says. Moshe did certain things and on his own, but then Hashem was his Kemal Yadu. Hashem endorsed what he did. Hashem endorsed what he did. Uh, he proposes that that's... The Ramanus actually says this, this discussing when Moshe... When, when, discussing this when, when, when Moshe agreed to give the, the, the Shvatim, the, the two and a half Shvatim, their Chelek and Evrayardin. He says, you don't see Hashem told Moshe to do that. You see Moshe agreed on his own. So maybe he says that was the same idea. That was one of the things that, that Moshe did and Hashem was his Kemal Yadu, he says... But that he rejects, he says, is such a major nas- event of national importance, Chalukah Saaretz, Moshe wouldn't have done it on his own. But in terms of Arab Parsha, the, the trial of the Ketaris, so far we have two Pshatim, either Moshe did it on his own, or, and, and he trusted Hashem would support him, would back him up, or he actually had a Nebuah. Then he brings a third shot of his own, he says that Moshe was inspired by Ruach HaKodesh. It wasn't an explicit Nebuah, just like we find in other cases of David and Shlomo, that they had, they were inspired by Nevuah, and Moshe knew that he could act under the divine influence, even if he didn't have an explicit Nevuah. That's why the Torah doesn't mention a Nevuah, because it wasn't a classic direct Nevuah, but it was simply Moshe acting, acting, as, uh, as, acting as an agent of Hashem, even if he didn't have a, a direct Nevuah. I'll call upon him, the Ramban is not sure whether Moshe actually was authorized by Nevuah to do this Eitzah of the Keteris, he has at least one shot that Moshe made this up on his own. This was simply Moshe's own scheme to bring about the downfall of Korach, and that's the Ramban's first shot. Ramosha Feinstein apparently was vehemently opposed to this shot. Rabbi Mordechai Tendler, his grandson, in his Sefer Masaras Moshe, where he records conversations he had with Ramosha, positions of Ramosha. So a couple of weeks ago, we discussed the, the Pirush of Rabbi Yudah Chassid, and we discussed Ramosha's objections to uh, what he considered heretical notions in the Pirush. Ramosha actually wrote published Chuvas on that, but also he, he discusses this question further with his, with his grandson in Masara, in, printed in Masaras Moshe. Rabbi Tanler goes on and says that Ramosha in general was suspicious besides the Pirush of Yudah Chassid, which was never published until a few decades ago. It was never something that, was in the, that circulated widely among the Jewish people, not for a while at least, but even more traditional Rishonim, who, who, who were studied by Jews for years, even them sometimes, or Moshe, felt that there were objectionable things. So, Pashas Karach, he says, Rabbi Tendler says, or Moshe told him that there are many things in the commentary of the Ramban, that it is mamish mitzvah limchuk. It is a mitzvah to erase these things because they are profoundly objectionable. We have to say, some Apikaris interpolated them, the Ramban could never have written such terrible things. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to twist uh, Jewish theology. Tamua, Ramosha agrees, it's, uh, as a historical matter, it's very difficult to explain how this could have happened. The Pirush of the Ramban was not uh, 
a dusty manuscript that was discovered 600 years uh, after having been lost. Ramban was always in possession of the Jewish people. So I don't know how it happened, Ramosha says, but somehow it's muchach. It's muchach to say that it happened because it's inconceivable, Ramosha, that Ramban would have, would have said such terrible things. And one example is this idea. The Ramban said this was a trick of Moshe. He acted on his own. Why would the Ramban say such a thing? He says it was all Armashal Moshe. It was all a, it was all a cunning plot of Moshe. And when Klai Yisrael later said, Hashem, Klai Yisrael bitterly complained to Moshe, you are killing the people of Hashem. They were right. It was Moshe's own plot. He wasn't, he wasn't even commanded to do it by Kosh Baruch He did it on his own initiative. But Tuach, where Moshe says, we are confident, it is certain, that these things were never uttered by the Ramban. The Shechina spoke Moshe. Moshe didn't make stuff up. I mean, it's true, Chazal say that Shechina spoke from Moshe's throat. They don't say it always did. They say that sometimes it did. But where Moshe says, no, it always did. Moshe didn't just go around saying things on his own. And why couldn't we say it was a harasha, he says. Ramban does say that, Ray Tandler pointed out. So when the Ramosha goes on, Tenler, Ramosha, they go on, they say the Ramban is actually giving support to the Chalkim and Moshe. The whole point of Parshish Karach is that, is that people shouldn't challenge Moshe and second-guess what he does. Ramban is saying, well, some of the things he did were on his own initiative, they weren't all from God. You're, you're acting at cross-purposes to the whole Pasha. And Moshe did stuff on his own. Ramosha says this is like the Ramban, who actually, the Ramban, in, 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 in a uh, provocative and controversial passage, the Ramban judges the Avos for certain things they did back in Sefer Bereshis. When they went down to Mitzrayim, Avram went down to Mitzrayim, it was a great chait, the Ramban said, they should have had Bitochan and Hashem. The way they treated Hagar was a, was, was, was a great chait. Ramosha was very upset about that as well. Without a source in the Psukim or Chazal to just go around judging and weighing the actions of the patriarchs and finding fault in them is not acceptable. This is even worse, the Ramosha says, to just say that Moshe made stuff up on his own without Akash Baruch Hu's authorization, is, uh, is, is just intolerable. We have to say it's an error, it was, uh, it was an illegitimate interpolation. And Ramosha says, it's a pity that the print- printers, the editors, haven't corrected this yet, he says, and, uh, and so on. Ramosha was very confident, he was, he was so confident that, that in his theology that this, could not, that this could not be something, this is not a legitimate Jewish idea, and therefore, despite the fact that the Ramban says this, in all of our editions of the Ramban, Ramosha says it is a pity that the printers haven't yet corrected the text to uh, strike this out, or at least put a trigger warning on it, I guess, that this is a deeply problematic, unacceptable idea. Moving away from the Nevu of Moshe to the Nevu of other Nevi'im, the Ralbag has a very interesting interpretation of Akedah Yitzchak. So in the Akedah, we know that Hashem, Hashem tells Avram, Bring him up there as an Ola. So Avram did so. Avram was prepared to do so. He brought Yitzchak to Maria. He was about to slaughter him. And Menashemayim, they, uh, they intervened. Hashem intervened. The Malach intervened and said, Don't do that. So there's a famous Pshat of Chazal Avram, that Avram said, I'm confused. First you told me Shechtim, now you're saying Al What is that all about? So the answer was, I told you Haleyu. I didn't say Shechateyu. Now you were, you brought him up. Now bring him back down. The Ralbag elaborates on this idea. The Ralbag says that that, that the Nisayan of the Akedah was a carefully constructed Nisayan as follows. If Hashem would have just said do this, Avram, apparently Avram would have done it. That, 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 if it would have been explicit and unequivocal, 
that wouldn't have been such a Nisayan. Of course, Avram would have done it. He, he, he had a Nevoah from Hashem. The Nisayan was that Hashem gave him an, an ambiguous command. He told him, Haleu. Haleu can legitimately support multiple interpretations. It can mean Haleu, bring him up and train him in the Avodas Hashem, train him in Karbanas. Or it can mean like Lashon Ola. Haleu Shem Ola can mean to offer him as an Ola, to slaughter him and burn him as you bring a Karban Ola. Either of those was a, was a legit, were, both of those were legitimate possibilities. However, if Avram had no strong personal interest, if Avram was solely committed to Ratzon Hashem, if that was the primary and the only concern that he had, it would have been natural for him to interpret the Tzivoy of Hashem Kipshuto, that Haleu means to actually offer him as an Ola to sacrifice him. Had Avram had an ulterior motive, had Avram cared about his son, and had, and, and had, his, love for, had, had his love for his son been in tension with his love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then he might have chosen, he might have chosen to interpret Aleyu Shem La'ola in a way that would be, in, 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 in the other way, the way that would, mean, uh, that would mean not to slaughter him, but just to train him in the Bimachanechim and Karbanola, because, he, because he, would, he would have wanted to find some way of doing that that would preserve his son. So, had he not been solely and exclusively focused on doing the will of Hashem, he might have interpreted the tzivui differently. Avram passed with flying colors. Avram, all Avram wanted to do was Ratzon Hashem. Therefore, he did not look for less plausible, revisionist ways of understanding the tzivui Hashem. And he was about to shecht him until Hashem said, No, no, what I actually meant was Haleu. I meant that you should just bring him up and teach him about the Ola. But the but not actually uh, not actually shechtim, and that's that's what you see. Avram's love for Hashbarchu was so great. He says that the that that that, Avram, that, Hashem's, that, that, that the love for Avram, that Hashem's love that, that Avram's love Avram's commitment to doing Ratzon Hashem was so great that the that he didn't try to reinterpret Hashem's tzivu. So the Rambam says this doesn't necessarily mean that an ordinary nivuah can be ambiguous, but at least in this case. Hashem deliberately gave Avram an ambiguous nevuah to see whether his, whether his personal desires were, would be strong enough to sway him from interpreting the, the nevuah properly, the way he was supposed to. Again, in, 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 in ultimate reality, Hashem didn't want him to shechtim, but, but, but Avram's duty was to interpret the nevuah to mean shechting, and had he not been, had he not been, uh, had he had an ulterior motive, he might, he might actually have done that, but he didn't. Rambam seems to dis- strongly disagree with this. Rambam, in, in many ways, was the Ralbag's great uh, mentor. That the the Ralbag's profound influence was, was the Rambam. Nevertheless, the Ralbag disagrees with Rambam in many areas. Rambam, with regard to the Akedah, seems to understand things very differently. Rambam says in Mar Nevuchim that there are two great lessons we learn from the Akedah. The first one, of course, is the obvious one that we see that how far love of Hashem and fear of Hashem goes, that a person should even be willing to offer his son as a carbon if God asks it of him. But the second lesson we learn, he says, is we see that nevuos are absolutely certain. We see that when a Navi has a nevuah, they are absolutely sure of what they see. The nevuah leaves no room for, for doubt. There is no equivocation whatsoever about a nevuah. How do I know that, he says? Because for, for Avram to go and shecht his only son, who he loved more than anything, he says for the, he said that uh, that 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 for, for Avram to shecht his, his only son Asher Ahav, he says the had Avram had any doubt about what Hashem meant, if there was any room for uncertainty, he says, then that he wasn't sure what he saw, what Hashem meant. He says 
he certainly would not have done such a thing which was so against his nature. He would never have done it. The only reason he would shecht his son is if there was absolutely no doubt, that it was 100% clear that that's what the Nebuah was. And that, that, that is the lesson of the Akedah. The lesson of the Akedah is, the second lesson of the Akedah is, that Nebuahs are 100% certain and unambiguous, and there is no room for doubt. So the Ralbag learns that just the opposite, that the whole point of the Akedah was that the Nebuah was ambiguous, but Avram had a duty to interpret it in an unbiased and fair way. Ramam says just the opposite. Avram would not have done it had there been any room for, at least, at least he wouldn't have done it so quickly. Maybe he would have asked Hashem for clarification, but he certainly wouldn't have rushed unquestionably to do it, unquestioningly to do it. From that, you see that Nevuos are, Nevuos, all Nevuos, the Nevuos of the Akkadian in particular, are 100% unambiguous, with no room whatsoever for any uncertainty or any equivocation. The, the story of Elio and Harakarmel. The story of Eliyahu and Harakarmel is the subject of not one, but two different haftaras in that, that we read in different times of the year. Pashat's Kisisa, the story of the Egel of Adavadazara, we read the first half of the story, the, the great showdown at Harakarmel, where Eliyahu gives the people the famous ultimatum, uh, how long will you uh, waver Admasai Tisabchu al Shnei Asiifim, Admasai Tisabchu al Shnei Asiifim, Pasech Tisabchu al Shnei Asiifim, Pick a side, Elio says, people can't choose. So Elio does the great test with a Nevei Habal, offer one carbon. He offers his carbon. Let's see who Hashem will answer. Very similar, actually, to Parshas Karach. We'll see, we'll see the, well, in Parshas Karach, there was one God. The question was, who was his, who was his, uh, who was his legitimate mouthpiece? In, in, in Malachim, there were, the question was, who's God? Is it Hashem or is it Baal? Who, who's the powerful one? So eventually, the, the, the Baal does not answer, even though they try to cheat. They, they snuck a guy inside. Hashem killed him, according to the Midrash. They killed their guy who was going to put a fire up from the inside. Then Elio prays to Hashem, and a great fire comes down, and everyone says, everyone recognizes the Yad Hashem. Hashem hu Elohim, Hashem hu Elohim. That's where we end the, the Haftarah in Parshas Kisisa. The immediate next Pasuk is that the Jewish people then massacre 850 Nevi'ah Vodazarah, Nevi'i Habal, Nevi'i HaSherah, they throw them into the, the, the Nachal Kidron, I think. Izevel is furious. Izevel, Queen Izevel, was the patroness of the Nevi'i Habal. She was outraged. She told Elio, I swear to you that uh, tomorrow your fate will be the same as them. So Elio runs for his life, and the rest of the, the, the next narrative is the Haftarah of Parshish Pinchas, because just as Pinchas did a great act of zealousness and was rewarded by Hashem for what he did, Elio Elio is Pinchas, according to various Midrashim and the Ralbag. Elio also does a great act of zealousness, of uh, demonstrating that Hashem Hu Elohim and killing the Nevei Habal. So we read the Haftarah for Parshas Pinchas. So the way this narrative goes, Elio is a fugitive from the wrath of Izevel, and eventually he arrives at a cave. Hashem asks him in the cave, Malacha Po Elio. Elio, what are you doing here? Elio answers, Vayomer, Kano Kanesi Lashem Elokei Tzivakos, I have been zealous for the, for the honor of Hashem, the Lord of hosts, Ki Azvu Vrischa Bnei Yisrael, the Jews have abandoned your covenant, Esmiz Bechosecha Harasu, they have cast down your altars, Vesmbiecha Hargu Becharev, they have put your prophets to the sword, Vaivasarani Levadi, and I'm the only one left, Vaivachuas Nafshu Lekach, and now they want to kill me. So Hashem then answers him with a, with a wonderful and evocative but deeply mysterious vision. 
First, Elio sees Ruach Gedola V'chazak, a mighty strong wind that can destroy mountains and break boulders. And Hashem says, Lo Ruach Hashem. God was not on the wind. V'achar Haruach, second part of the vision, after the wind, Rash was a great earthquake. Lo Rash Hashem. But Hashem was not on the earthquake. After the Rash was Eish, there was a fire. Lo Eish Hashem. Hashem was not on the fire. V'achar Ha'esh, fourth part of the vision, Kold Mamadaka, a small, still voice. So that was the Nevuah. Then, subsequently, Hashem asked Elio again, Malach Elio. Elio, what are you doing here? Same question as before. Elio answers, Vayomer, Kano Kanesi, Lashem Elokei Tzivakos, Ki Ozvu Vrischa, Bnei Yisrael, Esmiz Bechosecha Harasu, Vesnuviecha Hargu Becharev, Vayvasrani Levadi, Vayvakshuas Nafshu Lekachta. He gives the same answer as before. May sound familiar because it is exactly the same answer as before. We have 25 words here, I think, where exactly the same as before. From Vayomer Malach Elio until the end of Elio's answer, we have 25 words, exactly word for word, letter for letter, tam for tam, trup for trup, exactly the same question and answer as before. So, Hashem asks Elio, Malach Elio. Elio says, I am outraged, I am furious, I'm, uh, I'm the only one left, and the Jews are behaving uh, unimaginably badly. And Hashem shows him the vision of the, the Ruach, the, the Ruach, the, the Rash, the Eish, and the Kol Tomo then they have the exact same dialogue again. This time Hashem says, go back, go back the way you came, and you will appoint Chazael as king of Aram, and then Yehu ben Nimshi will be Melech al Yisrael, and Elisha ben Shafat, the Navi Elisha, you will appoint him, Timshach al-Navi Taktecha, and so on, and then the story proceeds. So what was this dialogue all about? Hashem asked him, what are you doing here, Elio? Elio gave this uh, furious, outraged condemnation of Klal Yisrael, Hashem shows him the vision of the, of the Ruach, the Rash, and the Eish, and the Kol Daka. Then they have the exact same dialogue again, word for word, letter for letter, tam for tam. Hashem says, okay, go appoint Chazahel, and Yehu, and Elisha. So what happened here exactly? So the Ralbag has a brilliant and incredible interpretation of this, uh, of this discussion, this dialogue. He says, Elio said, the Jewish people are terrible Rishayim. Hashem, you should punish them. Hashem says, I don't want to do that. Punishment is not appropriate. Forces of destruction, Ruach, Rash, Eish, these are mighty destructive forces. Lova Ruach Hashem, Lova Rash Hashem, Lova Eish Hashem. Hashem says, that's not what I want to do. Rabak explains why not, because punishment wouldn't have been effective. The Jews were so far gone that they wouldn't have learned from their punishment. Punishment, whatever the reason is, the point is, Hashem's message to Leo was, I do not wish to punish the Jews. That's not the... That's not the course of action I desire. Then he asked Elio, Malach Elio. So now what are you doing here? What's your, what's your perspective now? Elio, he says, was so angry and was just so fixed in his, uh, in his fury about the behavior of the Jewish people, despite the fact that he had just been victorious at the showdown. They all said Hashem Hu Elokim. At least now they were, uh, they were vacillating toward his side. Nevertheless, he was so angry, apparently, at the way they had behaved, so he says that Elio was just so upset. He simply He couldn't focus, he couldn't absorb the message Hashem was telling him, that punishment is not the right course of action now. And therefore he answered exactly the same thing as before. That's why this is incredibly unusual to have the, even the Sarasa Dibras, that are repeated twice, there are many changes in the words. But here, this is a remark, I guess the Torah did this exactly for this reason, to emphasize Elio was just so focused on his 
anger, was so, uh, was so consumed by his anger, his anger against Kal Yisrael, he simply could not hear, he could not understand what Hashem was telling him. So Hashem said, okay, so if you are not going to accept what I'm telling you, if you're not capable of following my instructions, of understanding my instructions, it is time to replace you. You are fired, he told him, that, uh, that we're going to appoint Elisha instead of you. Because you simply, you don't want to, you're incapable of being my Navi, he says. So, so the, you don't want to do it. Elio asks Hashem to, to die, to remove him from this world. Okay, if you can't and won't do what I tell you to do, then we're going to have to appoint a different Navi instead of you. So the Rabbag also was telling us that a Navi can possibly misunderstand his nevuah. that when Hashem said, lo ba'esh Hashem, lo ba'ruach Hashem, lo ba'rash Hashem, Elio simply was lo sum elev, he simply couldn't accept the message, he couldn't grasp the message, Hashem said, okay, if you're not going to grasp the message, we are going to have to appoint someone else in, instead of you. Incidentally, we should mention, the, the Rambam actually considers this a fault of Eliyahu. Not necessarily this particular dialogue, but the, the Rambam says, in general, Eliyahu had a fault that he was too strict. He was too, uh, he was too, un- he, he was too implacable toward Klai Yisrael. He had the midah of kanos, of zealousness. That can be taken to an extreme. Eliyahu took it too, uh, too far. He says that Kanos, is, in particular, is not a good media for a, for, for a leader, someone who has to lead the people, because it's, uh, you can't lead like that. He says, you'll, you'll just kill people, he says. People need, need, the, need the quality of mercy. People, need, uh, people can't live with pure Kanos, and that's why he says this was actually a fault of Elio. And the Rabag is saying something very similar, that Elio was just so angry, he simply couldn't, uh, couldn't focus, couldn't absorb what Hashem was telling him, and that's why Hashem said, we have to replace you, we'll replace you with Elisha, who will be able to, uh, to lead the people in a, uh, in a better way. We'll just close with one, uh, close with one or two final things. The Maral Diskin, there was a very famous idea of the Maral Diskin. Maral Diskin says, in general, that a Navi, here, a Navi gets Nevuah from Hashem. Nevuah is communication from Hashem. But the Nevuah, in general, is filtered through the particular character of the Navi's soul. He gives the mushal of glass. He says there are different types of glass when, when light, when, 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 when optical images are, are filtered through glass. So if the glass is green, then the, whatever you see will look green. If the glass is red, it'll look red. These are the famous uh, rose-colored glasses. Tzahov, if it's yellow, tcheles, if it's uh, blue... Whatever color the glass is, whatever you see through the glass will, will acquire that tinge. So he says, Nevuah works the same way, that the, that if the Navi sees what he sees filtered through the, the prism of his soul, to the extent that his soul is clear and pure, that the, that, that, that the Nevuah will be less filtered, will be, will, will be more direct and exactly as Hashem saw it, as Hashem sent it, but to the extent that his, that his soul is less pure, has impurities, it has its own character that can filter, that can impart a, uh, a quality onto, onto, the, onto the Nevuah. That's why Moshe's Nevuah, Moshe was, that's why Moshe saw Baspaklar Yemeira, Moshe's soul was so purified that he had the, the, the Dvar Hashem without any coloring of his own. Other Nevi'im didn't have that. Other Nevi'im, their souls would, their souls would imprint their personal characteristics onto the Nevuah. Nevertheless, Meryl Diskin says, Halila, Chas V'Shalom, that doesn't mean that, that they deformed the Nevuah into Sheker. Of course not, he says. However, the way he explains it is that the Nevuah can have multiple meanings and that the soul of the Navi 
can channel the nevuah into a particular meaning, and that will actually come true. This is a tremendous chedesh. We've seen the Ralbag, we've seen other Mepharshim who have said that a Navi can misunderstand a nevuah, but we would naturally assume if he misunderstands a nevuah, then it won't come true. If he misunderstands what Hashem said, then, then it won't happen. Whatever Hashem actually meant, that's what will happen. What the Navi thinks will happen is not relevant. Merle Diskin says no that we're not talking about Sheker, we're talking about multiple, multiple different, legit, potentially legitimate interpretations of the Nevoah. Whichever one the Navi, whichever one the Navi's soul causes the, causes the Nevoah to materialize in that form, that's what will actually happen. He brings the language of Chazal that it says, that dreams follow their interpretations, which again, the Rabbag himself understands that that, that that doesn't mean that. He says it just means that you better know the language of the dreamer, or you won't be able to properly interpret his dream. But Pajra Pashan of the Gemara is that the interpretation of the dream actually determines, it has a causal effect on, on, what, on what will actually happen, on, on what will be the true meaning of the dream. And Maral Diskin extends that to real Nevuah as well. Tremendous Chedesh. Real Nevuah as well will be what the Nevuah actually means, how it will come to pass, will actually be interpreted by, will actually be determined by the, by the Navi soul. And again, so the Maral Diskin is also telling us that the Navi's soul has an influence on how the Navua is concretized and how it's materialized. Again, tremendous chiddush. Maral Diskin uses this to explain a very peculiar statement of Chazal that just like Moshe had Aspeklarium Meira, Bilam had Aspeklarium Meira as well. Bilam, Bilam is the Bilam is the the antipodal Navi to Moshe. He he, he was such a Russia. If, if if it has to do with purity of the soul, Bilam's soul was black as pitch. Why would he have had Aspeklarium Meira? Maral Diskin said Hashem had to make an exception because, precisely for that reason. Because Bilam's soul was, such, was so black, had Hashem given him any normal nevuah and not given him Aspeklarium Meira, had, had, had the nevuah passed through Bilam's soul, it would have perforce, it would have necessarily been transformed to something evil toward Klai Yisrael. That's why Bilam was so confident he would curse Klai Yisrael, not because he would flout the divine command, but because he knew that if Hashem would give him a normal nevuah, his soul would transform the Nevoah into something ugly and horrible for Klai Yisrael, and that would actually come to pass. That's why Hashem had to, had, Hashem had to bypass his whole soul and give him Aspeklari Meira, give him exact, verbatim Nevoah, so his soul couldn't possibly have its uh, corrosive effect on the Nevoah that he received. And there are other sources as well for the idea that the... For the, idea that the that, 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 that a Navi does have some latitude in how he interprets his Nevoah. My father just showed me an article by Mark Shapiro where he brings from Rav Chaim Kanievsky, who makes this point. Rav Chaim Kanievsky points out that the, that the Gemara Psachim says that uh, the, the Gemara Psachim criticizes certain language that was used by, that was used by the, by the, by the Nevi of Devorah, the Nevi of Chulda, that the, the Chazal criticized them for the way they spoke. They, they said the way they spoke displayed a certain arrogance. And they were punished for it, they were, they were criticized for it. So, so the, so the, the, the Rav Chaim Kanievsky points out, really, they were criticized for the language they used? He says, Ka'amar Hashem, thus, thus spoke Hashem. So it wasn't their words, it was Hashem's words, it was Nevoah. You want to criticize a Navi for what he speaks when he's not being a Navi, fine. But if the Navi says, Ka'amar Hashem, and then uses certain words, and you criticize him for those words. Weren't those the words that, that, that Hashem? That weren't those the words that Hashem said to the Navi? Says Rav Chaim Kanievsky that Chazina Mizeh. We see from this. This is what they attribute to Rav Chaim Kanievsky that sometimes the Navi is left the Bechira to choose exactly the words he uses to articulate his nevuah. 
Maraldiskin is not making it so much of a choice. Maraldiskin is just saying that the Nevoa that he actually sees is going to be determined by his character, the character of his soul. Kankanievsky says that the Navi has some literary power, some literary uh, agency to choose the exact words that he uses. At least sometimes in his Nevoa, he can choose the words that he uses to, to, uh, to express his nevuah, and therefore it, it's up to him, and therefore it's his choice, and we can, be, and, and we can criticize the Navi if he, uses the, if he uses problematic words.